Welcome to The Square, your podcast from the Iowa League of Cities, bringing you current and important topics from around the state to your town square. With our hosts, Mickey Shields, the Director of Membership Services, and Katie Wheeler, the League's Business Relations Coordinator. Our hosts bring you topics that matter to your town square. Welcome back to The Square, everybody. Happy Woo-hoo. to have you back. Hey, there's Katie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. I'm drinking my coffee still, so it's a good right. day. We're uh, recording this on a brisk February day. <laughs> and uh, it's supposed to be nice today. Did, We've been so lucky. Back. Yeah. Well, yesterday, notwithstanding, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had to get my car uh, oil change and I do it in downtown Des Moines, the East Village. And uh, hopefully my wife doesn't listen to this because <laughs> I'm not too thrilled that she could not drive me to work. <laughs> Because she had some meeting or something. So, so did I'd you walk? walk? Oh, no, yeah. you didn't. 1.2 miles, I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mickey, you could have asked somebody for a ride. I was kind of testing myself, you know. I wanted to see if I could handle it. Okay. It was, it was You're going to become a hiker. <laughs> An outdoorsman. An outdoorsman. Yeah. So, hey, what's going on? It's... uh. It's February in Des Moines, which is uh, some of the league staffers have been around. We call this state tournament time. Yes. Um, it's as we speak, it's state wrestling. Um, it made me think of our old office in the middle of downtown Des Moines. We were connected to the Skywalk. And so anyone who's listened to this, you probably can figure out what, what I'm describing here. The system that connects all the buildings down there. So one of our build, the, the league's office building was on the Skywalk. And it was normally at lunchtime. You could, you didn't have to really wait in line for any of the places in there, but when the state tournaments would come in, like the state wrestling or state basketball, that place would fill up, and mm-hmm. it was actually annoying. Can you imagine? Nowadays, mm-hmm. I, it's great to have the people back. I was like, oh, this is wonderful. I love traffic. <laughs> <laughs> well, we missed then, it. Yes, it is nice to see people out and about. I agree. Yes, it is. It's always a good time. So, what else is happening? So, I mean, you've had uh, in your life, your daughters are doing volleyball like every night for mm-hmm. now until eternity. It sounds like that's kind of what it feels like between that and like tumbling and you know music Master. stuff. Yeah. yeah, we're we're busy, but it's been good. Nothing. I'm sure you're busy too. What's going on yeah. at the league? Well, yeah, a little bit more important to our members. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, we are in the midst of planning a whole bunch of training. Um, we have our nuisance abatement conference in May, May 18th in Ankeny. Our third part of the Municipal Leadership Academy, MLA, is going to be coming up in April, so a little bit before uh, uh, nuisance abatement conference. And that's going to be done at five places around the state in person. And then we also have one virtual option with that training. Uh, and that'll wrap up our MLA, which is uh, largely designed for newly elected officials, but we do get a lot of veterans to attend to as a nice refresher and uh, hear the basics of city government. And then we have a nice outing in June that you're planning that you should talk about, Katie. Mm-hmm. The league's uh, annual golf tournament is going to be June 17th in Ankeny at Otter Creek, and it's going to be beautiful weather. Yep. <laughs> Yes. Last year we had, remember that storm? That oh came my through? goodness. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. It and was it, like quick, thankfully, but it yeah, was, it was yeah, quite the storm. It ended up being a nice day, but yeah, the first part of the round, it was like 
it's raining sideways. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a little, little treacherous. I had to go into the clubhouse for a little bit of time, but ended up being a nice day, and a lot of, lot of good money was raised uh, for the Tim Shields Endowment, which is uh, named after my father. He used to work in local government, so it's a pretty cool deal, and it supports leadership development uh, for city officials, namely uh, the leadership seminar at the league's annual conference, which is held in uh, every September. This year will be in Waterloo, September 28th through the 30th. So, as always, check all of this information out on our website, iowaleague.org, the new and improved website, that is, that uh, Katie and Jess Vogel from our membership services team put a ton of effort and time into, along with uh, Heather, Ryan, and Eric and our IT group. So, uh, I encourage everyone to get online and enjoy that new website. And also let us know if you find a bug. We're still finding a bug here and there. Yes, we (laughs) appreciate that when you do. Yes, with every new website. We get that. So who do we have today, Katie? Uh, some really, really amazing leaders. We do. <laughs> I'm we excited very, about this one. We are excited. This is going to be fun. Um, so we are going to welcome two strong leaders to the square, Mayor Matt Walsh from Council Bluffs and Mayor Lorraine Brasky from Decora. Uh, real quickly, give a background and they can share a little bit more about themselves as we turn it over to them. Mayor Walsh was elected to the Council Bluff City Council in 1996 and then as mayor in 2014. Uh, he is also a former past president of the league, uh, so we know him pretty well from those days. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Mayor Borowski began her role as mayor in 2018 after a 27-year career at the Decorah Public Library, so obviously she knows city government quite well from that experience. So uh, we also want to say that both mayors serve on the executive committee of our new Iowa Mayors Association. So. Matt and Lorraine, welcome to the square. Thanks, Maggie. Thanks, Katie. Yeah, thank you very much. Fun being here. Yeah, well, thank you. So you have uh, been on different paths on how you ended up in your your role, uh, respectively, as mayor. Can you share each uh, each of you with our listeners where you grew up and how you got to where you are now? And Lorraine, let's start with you. Okay. Well, I go back quite a way, so I'm not going to give you the whole career away. (laughs) (laughs) But I did. I graduated from Lutheran. I pretty much stayed in Decorah. Um, I was at the library for 27 years, um, working my way up in different categories. And eventually I became mayor and I was mayor for the last 14 years um, there. And needless to say, I love where I live. I love the people. I didn't, uh, and so I didn't leave. And I can walk around the whole city for 12 miles, you know, from anywhere I want inside the city limits. So it's a great place to be from. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone who's been in that neck of the woods understands it's uh, very beautiful and a lot of fun. How about you, Matt? Well, Mickey, I've been in Council Bluffs my entire life. Uh, Council Bluffs initially was uh, one of the funnels for the Western migration of uh, civilization in the United States and seven Western trails um, routed through Council Bluffs. And so it's got a long history back from the early 1800s and my grandparents started a greenhouse business in Council Bluffs in the late 1800s and they uh, had 85 acres of rose garden greenhouses that they got put out of business when uh, when the interstate system was put in by Eisenhower and it just became cheaper to, to uh, transport 
flowers from a warmer climate. They, when they were in business, they served Chicago and uh, Minneapolis, Denver, St. Louis, St. Joe, and all those got started getting served by interstate traffic and kind of put them out of business. But been here for a long time and uh, love Council Bluffs and it's a great community. And it's, uh, I always like to tell people it's Iowa's largest metropolitan area. <laughs> <laughs> Des Moines is, but uh, the metro area and Council Bluffs area is well over a million. There you go. There you go. You just wish that some of those were on our side of the border, but hey, you've got yeah, you've yeah. got good ones, right? Well, uh, about nine hundred and uh, um, thirty thousand of them live on the Omaha side, but <laughs> uh, well, I, like I said, I think we we have the good ones, so we'll we'll be happy that the ones that call themselves Iowans. Yep. <laughs> All right. Okay. So leadership and being a public servant can be extremely re rewarding, but it can also be extremely challenging. And I have to say, I am always amazed when I hear mayors talk about how thick their skin is. It, I would um, be horrid at that job. So I thank you and my hats are off to you both. But right now we are in the middle of updating all of our city contact information at the league. We do that after every city election. And this week I asked how many, like approximately how many new um, mayors we have around the state. And I, they've said 258 new mayors since the city elections this past November. Um, so if you could sit down with a cup of coffee with one of these folks, what would you tell them? And what's like a piece of advice that you wish you had when you were newly elected? Lorraine, go ahead. Sure. Um, I had worked with city council being director and being on the department i worked with city council and i worked with uh, instituting the video uh, copies that went to the local access station so i'd watched city council for a long time uh, when i decided to run i took a i took a class from nicc about leadership and i remember the mayor of cresco at that time saying it's always something um, I would probably say that, but I'd also say you might be surprised what all that something includes. And I think that I also would say there is, everything has a process of going through. Um, so there's, you have to be open to looking at the process and learning the environment that you're going to be in as law and also with your fellow council people that you're working with. And uh, to tag on that a little bit, um, you will, as mayor or as a city council person, since I've done both roles, you engage with the public a lot. And I would, my best advice would be to be patient, to listen, don't come to a quick judgment, take time to think about things. Because typically on the other side of the argument is a citizen who doing none of those things and so it doesn't help anything to infuriate them further but um the other thing i i tell people is at the end of the day i'm going to be as honest as i can with you and so i think that if you try to hide your decision sometimes and and not be uh, full transparency with people that uh, they'll write their own narrative and so you need to really let them know where you're coming from yes Excellent advice from both of you. And um, 
there are a lot of new mayors and elected officials out there. So hopefully they hear that and understand that that's sometimes it's part of the game, but you gotta, you gotta deal with it and, and, and be honest and be upfront as much as you can be. Uh, I, I'm sure this has never happened in your fair communities, but can you think of a time perhaps when your council was not getting along? And um, obviously when you talk about city council members, they're elected too, and they have every right to uh, represent their constituents as they see fit, express their opinions. But yeah, sometimes of course they uh, may be at odds and may even be pretty tense. Uh, so how did, if you've experienced that, how did you handle it? And uh, what is the role of the mayor in uh, situations like that? Oh, I'll uh, hand that back to Matt to go first this time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, well, I, uh, um, you know, it is a tough job and, and we have five city council people and council bus all um, making their own independent decisions. And, and of course, like I say, I did it for 18 years. You don't always agree. Um, we'd been pretty successful in understanding that, hey, we're not always going to agree. When it's over, it's over. We need to move forward and, and uh, not carry a grudge. And typically, we'd end up at, at the local bar for a beer after work and, and get back with the city's business. Currently, I've got um, five fairly young council people, young in age and young in tenure. And, and uh, we had an issue the other day where um, there's been a debate whether the um, city department heads should live in the city. And, and like I said earlier, we're a million people, 63,000 in council bluffs. There is a lot of employable talent in Omaha, but when they get to the point in their life where they're department leadership quality, they pretty much established themselves. They had kids in junior high or high school. And, mm -hmm. and so does it make sense to move your whole family and, and uproot your kids to go to work five miles away? And, and so I want to hire the best employees, my city council. Some of them want to hire only employees who agree to live in council bluffs. And, mm -hmm. and that got some debate in one of the, um, council members was upset that he didn't get supported in his effort. And, and I just told him, Hey, it, it, there, there's going to come an issue. You're going to need them for something else. Let it go. Yeah. Uh, that's, that is perfect advice because it, it, in the middle of it, I'm sure the council members are very passionate. This is my uh, strong stance on something, but yeah, you got to let it go. You know, the majority rules of course. And at some point you're going to need them for something else. And Lorraine, maybe you've had to deal with that yourself. Um, a little bit, but not not a lot. When I first came on, there had I think there were four of us that came on new, and the previous mayor and city council had been on for many years, and so it took a while to get orientated, uh, to get used to each other, um, and there are, have been times when this got heated. But I had I had done leading as far as at the library for sure. So I kind of sort of knew what I would take and what I wouldn't take. But there hasn't been a time really where I haven't just verbally said, okay, we need to step back and take a breath. Um, I think it's important too, uh, from a leader, a leader standpoint, to keep decorum in um, the meeting and you know, 
I love, I mean, I, if I, we had, a, you know, some uh, more challenging discussions from the public, but I was pretty clear when we first part started out and just said, uh, we respect people's uh, opinions. Um, they would, if we needed to put a limit on it, there'd be a certain limit. If there was any unusual problems that they would be given a warning and if they didn't need the warning, they'd be escorted out. I've never had to go through that, but I think kind of setting boundaries at the beginning of the meeting of sorts, or if you know it's going to be a contentious issue, does help for the discussion to be more productive than destructive. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. How can a, may- a mayor measure success? I know it looks different. Success looks different probably for every community, but what would you say is a way that mayors can measure success? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I think one of the things for me, and as I have looked going forward, um, is how we have progressed or worked through the topics at hand or how we've gotten stuck and how we work through that. I also think that you know, how, what does that look like when you look back over a year and see some of the value that you brought to the citizens of the city, but also some of the initiatives that we're moving forward, the partnerships that we're moving forward. Um, I look at it, you know, how do we interact with other entities in the community, whether it be chamber or development, um, and the development part can be a good guideline too, if we're successful in being able to get uh, businesses in. And I think uh, the success is what you bring to that table and how you can present commu- and communicate and listen to the public and the results that are happen because of that. Yeah, Lorraine, I, I agree. And of course, every project or every topic has their own measurement for success, but the the broadest one I look at is, um, are you broadening your tax base and, and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it's one for whatever reason. And frankly, I think it's because the bill comes twice a year rather than monthly people focus on property taxes. And the only way really to lower property taxes is to broaden the tax base. And so if you're not growing, you're falling behind, um, the, the cost of goods and services goes up every year. And if you don't have an increased tax base, then you got to increase the property tax levy. And so um, we try to, to grow the tax base uh, a comparable amount to the cost of inflation at least every year and hope to beat that some years. And so that's kind of a one measurement I look at. Right, right. Yeah, I think Ed, when I look at economic development on um, where I'm at, it obviously has been a struggle with the pandemic, um, uh, economic decreases in revenue that we receive. Those are issues and how well you pull together a budget that you're going to be able to keep uh, within the means of the revenues that we have. I also think, you know, from a council standpoint, it's so easy to have somebody come in and they're going to work on a project, but I think we have to continually look at, it is a we thing. There isn't one person on that council that can really do 
anything unless they have the vote of their fellow people. So part of it is how do we successfully work with that group of council people to get the task done, the result in the value that we want to see, it, um, whether it be at the end of the year or the next year or term. Right, right. Yeah, I think it's a mix of uh, tangible things you can point to, measurable things, or something maybe is a little bit easier to measure anyway, like property taxes, budgetary things, but also the softer side, so to speak, you know, leadership. Did we get through some challenges together and accomplish some goals that uh, we set out to, to do as a, as a council and as a, a city? So it's, 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 a, it's a lot, <laughs> no doubt about it. Um, one thing that's also uh, a lot for some of our elected <laughs> officials out there, and I think some of our listeners know this, is that you can be noticed around town. And so we had a, an interesting, we think an interesting question anyways, of whether either you have had an, an embarrassing moment when you realized uh, I'm really never off the clock as a mayor. Every Friday night. <laughs> 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 I knew we could count on you, Matt. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know I... it, it, it happens a lot that people come up. And my favorite line that you know here it's going to come is you run into somebody in public and they open with, I hate to bother you when you're not working. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which means they're going <laughs> to. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I agree with that too. I think too that another one is you're doing a really good job, and then the, the butt comes. Mm -hmm. But did you tell me, you know, something? I think for for myself, um, I have felt comfortable in the position I'm at because I was in the public service for as long as I was at the library. So mm -hmm. uh, in a town of well, we're a little less than eight thousand now, but. Um, you know, a town of this size, I, I'm pretty used to being in the public. And so I don't notice it so much. I, I did, I was endeared by, I was walking down the street one day and there was a bunch of kids coming from school and they walked by and I said, hi. And I was walking and I could hear somebody behind me say, hey, don't you know, that's the mayor. And I think I am the first female mayor of Decorah. Okay. And so there's been recognition as far as that's concerned. Um, but I would say that I have most people, I, I've had phone calls that have been more irritating, but I think what I found is if I continue to listen to them long enough and eventually get to the end, they kind of lose steam and I can at least have a conversation that's a little more unequal than just having somebody bite my ear off. I was at a community event and uh, dad brought his two kids over, said, I want to introduce you to the mayor. And the one little boy's eyes got big as saucers. He looked at me and he says, you're Donald Trump. You look a lot different on video. That's really funny. Oh my gosh. That is good. That's great. Just That's... a couple of levels away from the executive yeah. branch at the U.S. <laughs> government. But hey, you know, mayor's pretty important too. <laughs> okay, this next question is one that we have asked on the square before, and you guys may not know this, but um, at my house at dinner you time, square every week. What do you okay, mean? Okay, well, you've heard this one. You've heard this one every almost. At my house, I have three daughters, and to get a word in edgewise at dinner is extremely hard. So 
we usually start with what's your what was your favorite and least favorite about the day? And so I'm going to ask you guys that. What is your favorite and least favorite thing about serving as the mayor? You go, Lorraine. Okay. I'd say I'll go with the least first because I have a lot of things I like about it. I think the hardest thing, and I know I, I had a hard time with this, even the library field, but the thing I hate worse is territorialism. And when I speak of that, I mean, people say, well, they're not from the city. They're not, you live in the county, um, but everybody comes into the city. Everybody can, takes advantage of all the things we have. And that's our main purpose is to have people come and use our retail, use everything. And there are so many things that I think each, even from, I'll only speak maybe from the county city level that we could be doing that we, we duplicate services all the time where it could save money that we could be putting it someplace uh, where we both need uh, things. I think case in point is if you wanna go with technology, whether it be broadband, housing, there's many different areas that could work a lot more efficiently into the benefit of the citizens, whether they're in the city or out of the city, if we would just work a little more in partnership. Um, as far as what's my favorite thing, um, you know, I really like the people that I work with. Um, I like, I had gotten, so from a department head standpoint, I know all the department heads, I know what the value work that they do. And I, I like the environment that I work in. And to be quite frank, I actually, you know, I like the citizens that I serve and the people that I talk to. Sounds, and I, I do confess that there's a lot of times I have rose colored glasses. And I have to take them off and look at reality, but sometimes it works just to fake till you make it too. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Matt? Yeah, yeah. this is a, um, a job that has gotten tougher. Yeah. They have been doing it now for 26 years and, and started with uh, pounding a little piece of lath into the ground and then often times that break off and then you try to nail your sign up to it and, and now people don't do that as much and it's all social media and, mm -hmm. and really that's what's the downside social media um, really confuses a lot of issues uh, a lot of people that don't have background don't have knowledge freely comment on things and in the rumor mill confuses people dramatically and and people always say that social media people say stuff on social media they wouldn't say to your face and and i think that and especially after COVID, people have really gotten uh meaner in their demeanor and so they uh i'll meet somebody on the street and they'll they will knock the wind out of me with some of the stuff they say to me and i you know i, I don't if you knew me i'm I was kind of the fighter in town, and so <laughs> I had to learn not to, to punch them. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I've uh, I've said uh, things off and quickly um, off, but uh, um, backed off as soon as I gathered my composure again. But but the good thing you see is um, you know my background 
I've worked a lot of different places, a construction worker and, and a commercial banker. And the same thing's true for being the mayor. When you drive by a project that's complete that wasn't there, there's certainly a lot of self-satisfaction in saying, hey, I was part of that. Yeah, and I, Matt, I really appreciate you making a comment on the social media stuff too. I think, you know, it's so hard because you want to provide information to the community, but uh, with, and especially in smaller communities, I think the decrease in the affordability for newspapers to have a printed word, uh, the decrease in people that read the printed word, but get it on social media, which you know, if you were doing a litmus test, the authenticity of it is challenging at best, I think. And I do think, too, you know, when you're looking at um, the polarity that we have currently, no matter what it is, uh, the polarity, uh, whether it's political, I'd say probably political is the biggest one. That really makes it hard at times to come to successful conclusions and outcomes. So he's right. If you get a project done, you look at it and you go, okay, that, you know, there's some steps that are really good to look back on and think positively about. Yeah, we, we really have a robust communications program here in the city that takes advantage of social media. But uh, as Lorraine said, we, the the demise of newspapers has been tough. Our, our local newspaper once had a circulation uh, of about 25,000 and and I've heard it now today is 4,100. And so um, that used to be the medium, medium that you used to um, get the message out and to flush out details so that the public knew what was going on, but very few of them read the newspaper anymore. So. Ongoing issue for sure, but as you two pointed out, there are ways to, of course, uh, see a project through, see the benefit to the community, feel that reward uh, on a personal level, but obviously as a community member yourself, you know, it's, it's something that you can look at and point to and tell your neighbors about and say, yeah, this is, this is why we do it. For sure. Well, let us, let us uh, say thank you for joining on the square excellent guidance and thoughts and uh, also for sharing your experiences we really appreciate it i think it's very helpful for our listeners and for any mayors out there that are listening in to this episode please consider joining the iowa mayors association i think it's going to be a great uh, group for all the mayors out there to uh, network with one another share ideas there's an email form that's been pretty active already uh, since the, the the launch of it with a lot of mayors kind of chiming in and, and asking for help and sharing different ideas, sharing different policies. Uh, so I think it's already, it's off to a great start. So again, if you're a mayor and, and thinking about joining that, I would I would definitely do that if I were you. Yeah, I, I think it's a great program and, and a great reference source. And as you say, on a daily basis, almost a mayor somewhere mm -hmm. will fire off an email question and, and can get a quick answer rather than have to sit and guess they can uh, work with somebody else's work experience. So, mm -hmm. Well, I, I just, I can't speak enough of uh, the value that I find in the Iowa League. Um, you know, you're being elected in a position and quite often I was fortunate. I knew what the government was like and, but there's some that come in even from the city council standpoint and don't have a clue, but all the resources, there isn't anything I can't go on 
and search or find somebody down at the league that can help me. Um, and then I think that mentorship program that you have is just a fantastic way of getting, you know, getting used to the job that you have at hand. And it's getting to be more and more all the time. So I really thank the league for the opportunities that I have through being a member. Well, of course, and we thank Look you. At that, Mickey, we didn't even have to pay him. I know. It is. <laughs> the gratuity check will be coming. Just so you, oh, is this we're still being recorded? Oh, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, on an accrual basis we've accrued debt we will collect it later <laughs> right. that's right and someday we'll see you eye to eye and then you'll <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. both Matt and i'll collect it that that's... time we owe you we owe you uh well thanks again for hopping on the square we really appreciate it yeah thanks Thank you. always enjoy it so listen in folks yep for sure have a great day you too thanks All right, we now welcome Max Elg, Vice President of Operations with Solutions. Solutions is one of our partner programs with the league. Um, they provide custom software and technology services for counties and municipalities around the state. Max, thanks for hopping on the square. Glad to be here. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, let's get started with first hearing a little bit about you. Where did you grow up and how did you get to Solutions? Well, I grew up on a rural farm in southwest corner of Minnesota near a little town of Comfrey, Minnesota. Uh, that had a population of about 500 people. So you can, you know how big a town I came from. Um, I became a professional musician in my teens and I continue playing professionally even today, although the pandemic has slowed me down a little bit. Um, hmm. I, I was fortunate enough to perform as a musician in most of the states in the United States, as wow. well as south well, into Mexico and north into Canada. What do you play? Um, my primary instrument would probably be guitars, bass guitars, um, and I also sing and chant and things like that. Wow. Nice. I worked a, a variety of jobs uh, whenever I would come home from performing on the road. Um, so I worked a lots of little part-time jobs, you know, filling in between bands. I worked as a photographer, uh, advertising graphic artist. I worked at multiple manufacturing jobs. I worked with persons with disabilities in a workshop and in a living environment for close to 20 years. Uh, and then eventually in the 80s, I became involved with computers just because it felt fun. Um, I became a Johnny Appleseed for Apple computers at a retail store in Worthington, Minnesota. Um, and they actually wait, called wait, wait. us is Johnny Appleseed. What is a Johnny Appleseed? <laughs> <laughs> that was like wait. your title? Like, yes. Max I was a, Ilg, Johnny, yeah, Johnny Appleseed. Johnny Appleseed. Um, what we did was we, we went out to a lot of schools, um, farmers and things like that, and showed them the benefits of running an Apple computer system. Um, oh, yeah, huh. it was very so cool. interesting. It was fun. Um, having the title of Johnny Appleseed was one of the coolest things that I think I did as a, in <laughs> yeah. my early stages as a computer. But then I was sitting in the, in the retail store one day and they, they showed me a, um, 8086 IBM based system. Mm -hmm. And I literally fell in love with that. So I changed my focus to sales and service of uh, IBM based systems with a focus on networking because it was very new uh, at that mm -hmm. point where you could make two computers talk to each other. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> 
So at, from there, of course, if I was interested in networking, I was able to su successfully take advantage of the earliest days of the internet by designing and building websites and making connections uh, with 2400 baud modems and things like that and making all that stuff work. Um, in the 90s, uh, in 1990s, not 1890s, I'm old, but not that old, <laughs> uh, I had a computer sales uh, and repair company and a website hosting a design company that I'd created. And that got purchased by a company in Pittsburgh. Um, and I was living in Minnesota and they found me and went, we love what you're doing. We'd like you to, we'd like to buy your company and you come to work for us doing, uh, being the manager of our information systems and then supporting their national bookkeeping software. So I did that and I moved to Iowa. Um, I worked there for a little while. And then in 2000, I became a systems engineer for solutions in Spencer, Iowa. And I've been here in various roles ever since. And I've been the vice president of operations for 15 years. Now, just recently, solutions was acquired in September of 2021 by Harris Computer Systems, the local government division, which has greatly increased our ability to empower public sector leaders by providing additional specialized mission critical software and services designed specifically to meet their fund accounting, human resources, regulatory, and billing needs amongst all the other services that we already provide. So it was a great acquisition. Wow, that's really cool. What a great background. This, <laughs> this is something that made me think of uh, my children actually, because when they think of uh, their mom and dad, and the era we grew up, I was born in 80. Uh, my wife was 79. So we talk, of course, about some, some of our childhood growing up, computers, stuff like that. And the kids refer to it as the 1900s. It always <laughs> makes me sound, think so. They think we are ancient. Like, we lived in another century. <laughs> so uh, what, a, what an interesting background, an interesting story. Thanks for sharing that, Max. Um, one thing that maybe some of our listeners understand like the, the breadth of your service with solutions and some of the things you guys can do. So you kind of touched on that, but maybe you could share uh, some of the, some of the cities you work with and the things you guys do for them. Sure. Um, IT services is usually our first steps working with a city client. Um, they're not going to look at our software first. They're not going to look at many of the other services we provide. They're going to call us up and go, I have a problem with IT, with some form of technology. Can you help me with that? Um, in fact, some of the counties or some of the cities that we work with don't use our software at all. Um, the city of Spencer right here in uh, Clay County, Iowa, mm -hmm. um, uses a totally different uh, package than what we provide, but we do all of their IT services, their managed services. We make sure all their computers are up to date and we make sure that they're consistently able to connect to the software that they're using from a different vendor. So, which is really nice, yeah. but there's a consistent growing need for quality technical services. Mm -hmm. And of course, immediately following that is all of the security issues that increase daily. Yeah. Um, so since our primary clients are either county or city governments, we don't work with the, you know, the other sector hardly at all. Um, we we kind of specialize and know what the market needs pretty much. Um, and we can assist with all of their office software needs, Microsoft, um, all of the stuff that's going from the cloud 
you know, on-premise services now up to the cloud, that all that's changing. Um, but we also help with imaging services if they're looking at going paperless. And of course, I have to go back to my roots every now and then and say, we're working on all of the web-based applications as we continue to expand all of the government agencies onto the internet. It's been around forever now, we think, but the, you know, there's so many things that still need to go out and are public knowledge and, and need to be shared somehow. But how do you do it? How do you get there? So right. we provide that services also. Hmm. Okay, so you've been with Solutions for quite a while, I think 22 years now, and you've been in the industry for a very long time. It sounds like not it's not calling you old, Max. Just, just saying. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, with all of the experience that you have and all the work that you're doing across the state, what are some common issues that you're seeing, and uh, what would be a piece of advice that you would give to our listeners? Oh, that's that was a good one. I really kind of faltered on that one for a while and had to think on that for a couple of couple of minutes here. But the two most common issues that we deal with in the last year, and I qualify it by saying the last year, would be one, making sure that you're meeting your security needs. Most of the insurance carriers that are out there right now are providing some really great instructions on what is necessary for security coverage. But they provide the you know, information and don't always have the instructions on how you do that. So you, you need to get together with some um, technology providers who understand the security needs of city or county government so that you can meet those security coverage needs from your you know, insurance carriers. And the other most common issue that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis is once again the migration from on-premise work to working collaboratively in the cloud. Uh, how do you work collaboratively? Wait a minute, I used to have a Word document and when I wanted to make changes, I would send it to somebody else and they would mark it up and send it back and I'd make those changes and I'd send it back and mm -hmm. they'd mark it up and they'd, now it's all being done collaboratively real time and you can see the other person's changes or suggestions and but with that comes connectivity and collaboration issues right. that no one expected it's like how did you do that how did you come up with that formula where did that formula come from how does that function um and why am i used seeing it in a different version than you well are you using the most current version of office is it the cloud-based version are you still using something you got from a CD back in 2006. <laughs> and there's a lot of folks who have that yet. So the whole change in, uh, I used to buy the software product and it was good for the life of my computer. Well, now you get an update from Microsoft Office and you open up Word and everything looks totally different. It's where did my stuff go? Um, so those are the two biggest common issues that we see. As for advice, I hate to give anybody advice, but I do have some, and this comes from, once again, my youthful experience here. <laughs> Look over your policies and your procedures. As city or county government, you should have something called policies and procedures of how you're going to do things. You need to look through those things for the gaps that make you not only vulnerable, but can help you work better by fixing them. And my advice to you is to plan, 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 and then update that plan often. 
because if you don't have policies or procedures and you don't plan, you are always feeling like you're behind the eight ball and that cue stick comes at you real fast. <laughs> boy, oh boy, that is excellent advice. Couldn't have said it better myself. And yeah, you don't want to be stuck behind the eight ball if you can help it as a city mm -hmm. government. But also, real quick, before we wrap up, I believe there was a, a birthday here recently, Max? Yes. I stopped celebrating those when I turned 21. <laughs> but <laughs> my 65th snuck up on me this year, and uh, I'm just glad to uh, still be here, still doing the things that I love to do. Still playing music and still working with computers and, and able to work with city and county government every day is at the last 20 some years has just been so enjoyable. I really like what I do and, and my team, um, most of those are long timers. I'm not saying we're a bunch of kids or old people, but um, a lot of us have quite a bit of experience working with uh, city and county government. So we like what we do and we, we uh, like the customers that we work with. It's, we understand where they're coming from and that does help us quite a bit. Well, you and your team yes. do a great job. Thank you for your partnership and thanks for you, thank you for your service. Mm, thank you for letting us be part of this today and for being part of your community. Of course. Yes, thank you. And if Mickey and I could sing, we would sing Happy Birthday <laughs> to you. Not, uh, we are that. not going to do that. You're never going to get me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, perfect. Well, thank you for joining us. And that wraps up another episode of The Square. As always, you can... Um, Follow us on social media and be sure to check out League Weekly, our weekly newsletter. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we can